Bibles, if you would, turn to the book of Habakkuk this morning for just a few moments. As you make your way to the book of Habakkuk, I want to share a few things with you here in just a few moments that I pray will be a help to you. But I want to preach a message that the Lord has been working in my life personally on, and it's entitled, Unbothered or Broken? Unbothered or Broken? We're living in a a day and age, in a society that is full of people, it's full of Christians, it's full of individuals who see problems, who see situations, who encounter their own issues, who encounter their own struggles and their problems, and we're walking past people every single day. We're either unbothered or we're broken by it. This morning, you find in Scripture, we're going to look at three different individuals. We're going to start, actually, with a fourth, and that's our Savior. As you look at the Word of God, you find that our Savior's heart was often broken. I believe it's broken this morning. I believe as he looks at the condition of certain things, his heart breaks because his children are missing it. I believe our our Savior's heart is broken this morning because as he looks at his children, he finds that they're not seeing all that he has for them. Walking through every single day unbothered. And he desires that we would be broken. You see, as the whole world had turned its back on him, the disciples, except John, had gone and dispersed. Those who had watched him do miracle after miracle, they weren't present. You had a crowd, uh, an entire mob that showed up screaming and proclaiming, crucify him, crucify him. He saved others, let him save himself. As you imagine the emotions, as you imagine all that was taking place in that moment, the Bible sheds some light on that certain moment in time in John chapter 19 verse 25 when it says these words right here now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother did you go and you look at Mary you study her out you study her life out you'll find that she hid those things in her heart memories probably flooded her mind she probably looked back on the joyous occasions of watching Her son Jesus grew up knowing that he was born to die. As he died on that cross, he died for you and for me. And I can imagine this morning that his heart is broken. His heart is broken because he knows and he feels the struggles that we're facing. His heart is broken because he knows the pain that many are facing. The burdens that are heavy, and what does he want us to do? He says, come and lay that burden at my feet. I'll take it. I'll help you. We're living in a world that's defined by two positions on a daily basis, either unbothered or broken. See, every single day we go about our days. Every single day we're walking past people. We, we see certain things, whether friends or People on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, we see the issues that they're facing, and we see the condition of our nation. We see the situations arising in cities. We see the struggle of communities, and we see all of those many things. And our Heavenly Father desires that His children will be broken over the conditions of the nation. That that, that His children will be broken over the burdens of their brothers and sisters in Christ. That they'd weep with each other. 
That it at least acknowledged those things, but oftentimes whenever we walk past people, instead of noticing that, hey, there's a soul right there, I wonder if that soul is going to heaven or hell, and we take no time to figure it out. One bothered by that. Someone else will share the gospel to them. When we go into the house of God or we see the problems of other brothers and sisters in Christ on social media or when we're having conversations, and instead of being broken over their situations, we're unbothered because, hey, if they knew what I was going through, hey, it's easy for them to cry about what they're going through, but they don't realize that I'm facing things too. Hey, that's not the point. What a joy it is when we're able to bear our burdens together. Yet we find ourselves unbothered by them. Going about our days, one thing that begins to take root is bitterness. Selfishness. Pride begins to take root. We begin to wonder why we're doing this and why we're going through this and why they get to enjoy life when in the reality of it all, we don't know what's going on over there. We see the conditions of our nation and all of the issues that are going on. You see in Scripture we see a different tone concerning three individuals that we're going to look at, but as we think about our Savior Jesus, as He's on the cross, and the Bible goes on to tell us that there stood by the cross Jesus' mother. She saw Him being crucified, beaten, spit upon, tormented, mocked, ridiculed for you and for me. As you think about those days ahead and the days after, you think about those moments as he was being tormented, can you imagine what was going on there? I can imagine the tears streaming down her eyes. I can imagine the, 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 the problem presented itself and she felt helpless. But in her heart, I can imagine she was broken. In Scripture, you also find a man by the name of Jeremiah. This man is known as the weeping prophet. He was a prophet, and a prophet's life was never easy. It wasn't intended to be easy. But Jeremiah had a difficult run at it. He endured some things. He struggled through some things. He saw some things. And Jeremiah was given the opportunity and given the task to prophesy to the southern kingdom of Judah, and he was sent to warn a people that never wanted the warning. Matter of fact, they never even heeded the warning. As you read through the book of Jeremiah and you get into the book of Lamentations, you see multiple verses that deal with this prophet being one that was broken. He was broken. He wasn't unbothered. He was bothered tremendously. And you see his brokenness all throughout. You can find as he was whipped and he was attacked and threatened and ridiculed and all of those many things. And the worst part about it was in his, his, his general facilities that he was a part of and the, 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 the task that was at hand, he was alone. He didn't have anybody. But God was there. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet and he wept over an entire nation. You see another man by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was also one that we find in the very beginning of this chapter of the book of Nehemiah as he wept. But he wept not for a nation, he wept for a people. 
news comes to Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is informed that the walls of Jerusalem are burned down and the gates thereof. And Nehemiah has brought these news, and as he's brought these news, the only thing he knows to do is get on his knees and weep and pray and beg to God. He goes a few days, and he spent time in prayer. The Bible says that he mourned certain days, weeping and praying. He comes into the king's countenance and the the, the, the presence of the king and the presence of the king as he's standing there. The king looks at him and says, Your countenance has never been this way before. What's wrong with you? Immediately, Nehemiah pleads with the king to let him go and to help a people because he was broken over. You come to the book of Habakkuk and Habakkuk speaks of another situation that we oftentimes can find ourselves in where Habakkuk is broken because he is looking for an answer. You see, he's trying to figure out what's going on and why God isn't working and answering right then and there. And I would imagine that we've all been there before where we've been finding ourselves weeping and on our knees and we found ourselves before where we're asking God, God, where are you in all this? You see, you see one man who was weeping over an entire nation by the name of Jeremiah. Another man who was weeping over a people by the name of Nehemiah. And one man who was weeping over an answer that was unheard at the time, weeping over that one answer that he was seeking by the name of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, the Bible goes on to describe this man as he is weeping and the burden gets so heavy, there's a word that is used called shiganoth. And as you think about that word, you might just think that it's just another word that is in the Bible, but that word, as you go and you study out the entire passage, Habakkuk begins to pour out his heart before God in such a way that it literally hurt his body. You ever cried so hard that it actually hurt the next day? You, you wept so long that your voice was no longer there and your eyes hurt and you just wanted to lay down because you had a headache from, from crying so long. Habakkuk wept so hard and he wept so long that the Bible literally speaks of his inner bowels hurting and him being in agony. But he was in agony over an answer that he didn't know. Can I share with you this morning, many of us have been given opportunity after opportunity to be used of God to help someone who's broken. We've been given opportunity every single day to look at the state of our nation and be broken over the state of our nation. We've been given opportunity to go out into our community and see souls and look at those souls and be broken over a people. And yet every single day we're given the opportunity to be unbothered or broken and sadly to say it, many times we're unbothered. We go about our days, listen, I've got a, I've got a busy day ahead of me. I don't have time for all of this come to the house of God and we want to proclaim 2 Chronicles 7.14, yet we don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want to get on our knees. Look, I just got these pants. I don't want to get these all nasty. This is, this is wood. I don't want to get on my knees. That would hurt if I stay down there too long. Some of the greatest individuals ever used in this world for a cause for Christ. You go and you look at many of their stories Many of their stories speak of individuals who are on their knees so much that there's blood stains in the carpet. 
individuals who were broken over the state of their nation and the state of a people and the state of receiving an answer from God, that they were, were in agony until God truly worked. You ever been in the countenance of someone, or I mean the presence of someone, and their countenance just seemed as though they were truly broken and you didn't know what was going on? You're having a conversation with them and you can just tell something's not right. And you can just tell immediately that they're broken over something specific, whether it's a personal burden that they have. Or I've talked to preachers who whenever you start talking about the state of their community and where they're trying to reach, tears start streaming down their eyes. I know preachers who have a burden for this country and a burden for this nation that whenever they start to talk about revival, they get choked up even thinking about God sending a revival to this nation. Because they yearn for it so much. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Habakkuk. This morning, I want to shed light on three different individuals this morning. And you might find yourself in one of these individuals' lives or the burden that they had or the struggle that they were facing. Jeremiah wept over an entire nation. Nehemiah wept over an entire group of people. And Habakkuk is found weeping over an answer. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 1 of the book of Habakkuk, chapter number 1. And we're going to be found, finding ourselves in the book of Habakkuk, the book of Nehemiah, and the book of Lamentations this morning. And as you walk through each of those books of the Bible, you begin to feel all that they're facing. You can sense it. As you read and you can sense the emotion that's being poured out and the, the struggle that they're facing and the burden that is so heavy. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 1 of the book of Habakkuk, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. You see, Habakkuk was confused during this season. He was confused as to why God was silent regarding the the sins of Judah. He didn't quite understand and he he was looking for an answer. And the first thing we see in each of these passages this morning is that there is a burden that is revealed. In Habakkuk chapter number 1, verse number 1, it's the second word. The Bible says, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Now, as you study the book of Habakkuk, you'll see that this burden was heavy. It was something that weighed on him. It was something that he thought on often. It was something that he woke up thinking about, went to bed thinking about. It was something that he thought on all throughout the day. The burden was that heavy. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Lamentations for just a moment, if you would. In the book of Lamentations, you see that the Bible deals with this exact burden that Jeremiah is now having. Jeremiah weeping over an entire nation. And as he's weeping over this nation, the Bible doth say in Lamentations, verse number 1 of chapter number 1, How doth the city sit solitary? The word solitary speaks of isolation. That was full of people. How can it be? It was full of people now. It's alone. How has she become as a widow, she that was great among the nations and princes among the provinces? How has she become tributary? Forced into slavery is what that means. She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers she hath done comfort. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become enemy, become her enemies. The book of Lamentations in verses 1 and 2, you begin to see this burden being described to us. The Bible says in verse number 2, her tears are on her cheeks. Multiple times in the book of Lamentations, you're going to see this exact burden arising. Go with me to the book of Nehemiah, if you would, for just a moment now. In the book of Nehemiah, 
I love studying God's Word, and I love looking at different portions of Scripture and the contrasting emotions and the struggles and how they handle it. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter number 1, verse number 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu in the 20th years I was in Shushan the palace that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Verse number 4. It came to pass when I heard these words, you begin to see his burden revealed. I sat down, wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, you see this burden revealed in Nehemiah's life as immediately the, sh- the news just shake his entire life. Can I illustrate it for you? One phone call. You're sitting on your couch. You're watching TV with your family. You get one phone call. And all of a sudden, there's a burden on your heart. You're out with your family having a good time. You see an old friend that you hadn't seen in quite a while and they begin to talk to you and they begin to share some conditions that they've got and some health concerns and all of a sudden, a burden's on your heart and your back. You walk into the house of God and you see a brother or sister that is broken. They're going through some things. They're struggling or maybe they have someone who you've been praying for and you've been praying for this individual to get back in church or you've been trying to reach your family or trying to reach this friend or you're trying to reach this coworker, and You see all of those things and it's just a burden that you think about every single day. Nehemiah felt that. Jeremiah felt that. Habakkuk felt it. Can I share with you, many of you have come to the preacher. As you come to me, you'll begin to share a request that you want me to pray for with you. Can I share with you what exactly I do? I go home, and I pray over that. I come to the church, and I pray about it. I'm driving to and fro and going out of town, and one of the things that Kelly and I always say as we're going out of town, we'll say, hey, no church talk. Five minutes into the ride, church start starts. You know why? Because it's a burden. It's not a burden I want to get rid of. It's not a burden I don't like. It's a burden. Can I share with you this morning that I would rather every single day of my life be broken over the burdens of those closest to me than to be so unbothered that it breaks their heart? Can I share with you this morning, we find ourselves as Christians, when burdens are brought to us and struggles are brought to us, we make that decision all the time. Hey, I'm not going to be bothered by that right now. I don't have time for that. I wonder how many times we've broken our Savior's heart because we've chosen to not be bothered by the burden. Can I share with you this morning that if you're going to be bringing a burden to the pastor, can I share with you that it would do you some good to be broken over that burden yourself? It's a sad reality whenever you bring me a burden and you say, hey, I want to reach my family, yet you can't be found in the house of God. 
As a matter of fact, you probably haven't opened your Bible a single time, but you say, hey, I want to reach my family. Hey, you want to reach your family? Be in the house of God when you're supposed to be in the house of God. You want to reach your family? Get in the Word of God and let the Word of God make a difference in your life. When your family comes, they'll say, there's something they've got that I want. It breaks my heart every single time I see my dad. You want to know why? Because he knows I have what he needs. And every single time we have a conversation, we talk, and I've shared the gospel with him time and time again, and every single time he has heard the gospel, he says, no, not right now. Can I share with you there's coming a day when the statement, no, not right now, is not going to be valid anymore? It breaks my heart to know that there's coming a day when my father might not get to meet me again in heaven. As I think about reaching my family, I think about me being faithful to God's calling upon my life. I think about making a difference in this world, not because I think I'm anything, but because I'm nothing, and God likes to take nothings and make something out of those things. I say, God, don't let me get rid of this burden, Lord. Let it burn within me. And after I reach my dad, Lord, lead me to some other poor soul. God, put a burden on my heart until I reach them. And Lord, after I reach them for you, Lord, put another burden on my heart. And Lord, help me reach that poor soul. Number two, you see not only the burden revealed, but you see the brokenness revealed. As you're in the book of Nehemiah, notice what the Bible says in Nehemiah, verse number five here. It says, And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, Keep the covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments. Thou commandest thy servant Moses. In verse number 4, as the burden is brought to Nehemiah, he knows only one thing to do, and that one thing to do is to weep over that. As he goes, and he begins to weep, and he begins to beseech God. The Bible says in verse number 5, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, speaking of going and offering to God, Lord, do something. In chapter number 2, you come to chapter number 2, and the Bible says in verse number 2, Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art sick? That is nothing else but a sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. And said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Hey, can I share with you? If someone were to walk up to you sometime and you're broken and you're so broken that you have tears in your eyes, and someone walks up to you and says, Hey, why are you crying? Pull yourself together. Look him in the face and say, if you had a burden like I have for these people, if you were on your knees praying like I am for these people, you'd probably have some tears in your eyes too. You see, as Christians, we've lost our tears. We live in a society of, of, of manly men who don't cry anymore because they don't want to show their affections. Yet our Heavenly Father, the Bible says, and the gospel counts. Jesus wept. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. 
chapter number 2 of the book of Nehemiah, we see this burden turning into some brokenness. Go with me to the book of Lamentations, if you would. Lamentations, we find in chapter number 1, verse number 2, that he says, She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. In verse number 6, you continue going, I mean, verse number 16, the Bible says, For these things I weep, mine eye, mine eye runneth down with water. Because the comforter that should relieve my soul is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. You go on and you read through the book of Lamentations. And we're going to come back to verse number 16 here in just a moment. But in verse number 20, the Bible says, Behold, O Lord, for I am in distress. My bowels are troubled. Mine heart is turned within me, for I have grievously rebelled. Abroad the sword bereaveth. At home there is his death. They have heard that I sigh. There is none comfort me. Verse number 11 of chapter number 2, mine eyes do fill with tears. My bowels are troubled. My liver is poured out upon the earth. The destruction of the daughter of my people because the children and the suckling swoon in the streets of the city. Can I share with you what's taking place in these verses right here? And we could read the first 20 verses of chapter number 3 of the book of Lamentations and you begin to see how broken Jeremiah is. Can I share with you where his brokenness really hit a point? His brokenness really hit a point whenever he began to look at the children. Can I share with you, as you look at the conditions of our world and you look at the conditions of our nation and you look at conditions of our cities and our states and you look at the world that our children are coming up in, does it not break your heart that they have to endure some things? I've talked to some grandparents who love their grandbabies. And as they talk about those grandbabies, they often will say, I just hate that they have to grow up in some of these conditions. I hate that they have to endure some of these things. But can I share with you, my children are going to be facing some things that I didn't face. I faced some things you didn't face. You faced some things your parents didn't face. Can I share with you, that whenever my children stand right there and face those things, I pray to God that they'll look back and say, you know what, my daddy taught me this. And we opened the Bible and my daddy would teach me from God's word how to do this and how to trust in God and how to be faithful to God. And if if the world's going to go this way, my daddy said to stick with Christ and that's all you needed to do. Can I share with you that I'm broken over those things. I think about Holly and I think about Jackson. I love those two little ones. And as they were out yesterday with us on uh, Saturday knocking on doors, it breaks my heart. But they don't know any different. No. They'll stand out there and just sing all to the top of their lungs, Jesus loves me. They don't know the conditions of this world. But can I share with you, whenever they see mommy and daddy crying, they say, mommy, daddy, what's wrong? Nothing, baby. We're just, everything's okay. Why are you crying? We're broken. Go with me to the book of Habakkuk, if you would. In the book of Habakkuk, you come to a portion of Scripture. Verse number 2. You see his brokenness right off the beginning. It says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Verse number 2, he was so broken because he desired God to work. 
Some of you are facing some, stru- uh, some difficult seasons of life, and some of you are facing a, a struggle here, and you're looking for answers here, and you've come to that place where you're broken over receiving an answer. God, I need you to answer. Lord, I need you to do something. That's what it's facing right here. Oh, long, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? I can cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. In verse number two, I remember we were only at Vanderbilt for about three or four days with Holly, but three or four days in a hospital feels like six months. And I remember as we kept seeing the doctors and nurses coming in, and they'd come in, and we got those news where they said, hey, we're, we're, we're just going to keep her for a little while. We're running some tests to see if it, uh, if something has entered into her bloodstream, if it has, then it is, it's, it's deadly, it could, it could kill her, and so we've got to monitor and make sure everything's okay. And I remember getting home, and I remember sitting on my couch. Day after day after day as I'm sitting there, and again, those, those days felt like months, and those hours felt like days. And I remember thinking, God, where are you? God, are you going to answer? Lord, I, I want an answer right now. Lord, is my daughter going to be okay? Only a few days old. I remember feeling that. I remember sitting on my couch, Kelly calling me. Her mom was staying up at the hospital with her, and I had just gotten the call, and I had just sat down because it was a, a night when I had to prep for Sunday. She calls, and she said, the nurse just came in, and she started crying before she could even talk, and I knew at that moment. Not the news we were wanting. The nurse walked in and said, we think it may have entered into her bloodstream, so we're going to monitor her. Can I share with you, as I heard those news over the phone, there was a peace like none other. My mama couldn't have called me and given me that peace. Daddy couldn't have called me and given me that peace. My best friend couldn't have called me and given me that peace. Hundreds of text messages and the many Facebook posts and comments, they didn't give me that peace. No, it was God that gave me that peace. It was a peace that I can't describe, and it's a peace that you've experienced before and you can't describe. It's a peace like none other. That's what he's desiring here. God, what are you doing? Lord, what is taking place? Go with me to the book of Habakkuk, chapter number 3, verse number 1. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon... Shiganoth speaks of yearning here. He says, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath. Remember mercy. Notice with me the final thing we see this morning is a belief revealed. This morning, we went to chapter number three of the book of Limitations, up through chapter number three, verses one through twenty, the book of Limitations, it's filled with tears, agony, brokenness, hurt, pain. In the book of Nehemiah, you see the first couple of chapters and he is broken over these things. Then God reveals the answer and that is to go and build the walls. The book of Habakkuk here. Go with me to the chapter... Number three, look at verse number 17 and 18 and 19, which I just read a few minutes ago again. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, 
neither shall fruit be on the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. What do I do, God? Lord, what's next? Lord, I haven't heard you. Lord, I'm, I'm desiring this answer. Lord, where are you? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Will join the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds feet. He will make me to walk upon my high places to the chief singer of my stringed instruments. You find in the book of Habakkuk that it's a wonderful and powerful reminder that He's never failed us before. Why would we think He's going to start now? Go with me to the book of Lamentations. And while you're going to the book of Lamentations, you know why we oftentimes think He's going to fail now? I want to read a portion of a, a book that I've been reading. And he speaks to it perfectly. He says this, The nearer you get to Christ, the more you will have to do with temptation. The closer you get into the heart of the fight, the more the devil will torment you. People are sometimes heard to say, I think I must be going back in the Christian life. I'm always tempted. The truth of the matter is that if you are not tempted, oftentimes you're declining into sin. You you ought to be advancing in holiness. And that is what the devil is afraid of. Think how Satan accuses believers. And when they sing, he says, Christ, dost thou hear those people sing? Is that all that they love, they have, they see? See how they express it with such icy songs? When they're in prayer, may he not have truly said, look at those professing Christians. Is that the best prayer they can offer with their wandering and wayward thoughts? And do you not think that he says of many a preacher, is that thy chosen messenger? Canst thou not find one pure in motive and fitter in heart and life than he? Is there not one that's a better preacher than that one? Whatever the devil says against the believer is a greater argument with Christ for helping them. He takes everything the devil says and turns it into a reason for doing more for them than ever. The devil says, that man is only a piece of smoking brand, nearly burnt through. He is an old man now who has wasted his life. He may as well be east, back into the fire. There is so little sound wood left him. Christ replies, though there is only a square inch of sound wood, it is the more necessary why I should make the most of what is left. Satan says again, look at that man. He is a broken reed. He has been trampled underfoot until he is out of shape. He is not worth of thy care. Let him drift away down the streams. Christ replies, I know he is a piece of broken reed, but that is the more reason why I should take him. And with my creative hand, make a flute or an organ pipe from which to get sweet music in the great orchestra of my church. The devil says, look at that woman. She's a piece of... Smoking flax, look at the spark as it goes and comes and comes and goes again. And as you blow on it, trample it out. It's not worth thine attention. Christ replies, because her life is so fitful is why I take that spark and breathe on it until it becomes a flame. You see this morning, oftentimes, you know why we wonder if God could and what God is going to do and why He hasn't answered yet is because we haven't truly given Him the preeminence He deserves. 
Oftentimes, we allow all of these many things to enter our minds. The devil fills our minds with, and we begin to question what God is doing. All the while, God didn't tell us to do what Satan said. God called us to do what he said. Hey, just because Satan's in your mind and trying to discourage you doesn't mean you need to follow Satan. No, as God has called you to do something, as Satan comes, get thee behind me, Satan, and press on for the glory of God. Lamentations chapter number 3, the Bible says up to this point has been just torment after torment and just ridicule and pain and agony. And then we find these comforting words in the book of Lamentations, some of the most comforting words that have been also inspired for hymns. Verse number 22. Back up to verse number 21. The Bible says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because of his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Notice what verse number 26 says one more time. You found yourself waiting. You found yourself saying, God, what are you doing? You found yourself saying, God, I, I, I want an answer now. It is good that a man should both hope, hope in God, and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Can I share with you once again this morning, God's never failed you before. He's never made a mistake. We'll look at those mistakes that we think are mistakes. Sometimes we'll say, God, you messed up over here. No, truth of the matter is God didn't mess up. We just didn't allow him to show us all that he had for us in the midst of it. Can I share with you once again? He was never truly and fully given preeminence. You know what that word preeminence means? That word preeminence means that when, when God shows up, that's the only thing that matters. God, you have my full attention. Lord, if you want to do something, I'm saying yes before you even tell me. God, if you're going to show me something, Lord, I'm looking before you even reveal it. God, if you're directing me, Lord, I'm going before you even tell me what's at stake. God, I'm giving you all of my life, Lord. Preeminence is given, Lord. You're the only thing that matters. You find in this portion of Scripture belief revealed because he says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Habakkuk begins to tell us, even if this takes place, Lord, this doesn't go my way. Lord, it gets worse here. Lord, it doesn't really feel like I'm going anywhere here. And Lord, it just gets to rock bottom here. I'm still going to trust you. Matter of fact, Lord, I'm still going to follow you. Lord, I'm going to be given to you. Lord, I'm not going to question you. Lord, because you've always been good. And can I share with you this morning? As you go out the doors of Gateway Baptist Church this morning, you're going to walk past someone who's broken. You're going to walk past someone who's hurting. You yourself is probably hurting. You're seeking an answer. You're seeking for God to work. You're going to be like Jeremiah, and you're going to see a nation, and it ought to break your heart. You're going to be like Nehemiah, and you're going to walk out and to see your community, and you're going to walk past souls, and you're going to see that Christ loves that soul. You're going to see your church family, the burdens that they're bearing. And can I share with you this morning... The greatest thing that you can do 
Not walk past those things and be unbothered. Get on your knees and beg and plead of God, Lord, break me. The things that God breaks, He later makes. And He makes us into what He would have for us. And some of the sweetest times that I've been a part of services when I've experienced broken people coming to a Jesus that can heal them. I go into the adult teen challenge, broken people, who when you open the Word of God, all they want is more of it. Broken people, who when you see them struggling, you reveal to them that Jesus can save. Joy begins to perk on their face. And I share with you this morning, you're either unbothered or you're broken. If you're unbothered, it's a heart issue. If you're broken, it's a heart issue. But there's one that's a greater issue. Can I encourage you this morning to be broken? Say, what can I do? Bring it to Him. All of it. Not just a portion of it. Not just little bits of it. Bring it all to Him. You see, I haven't been to the altar. I'm uncomfortable at the altar. It would be good if Christians started getting comfortable at the altar again. It would be good if a child of God would stop saying, well, I was just there last week. Well, stop determining when you're going to go on the altar and how long you've been there and when you weren't there last time. Every single time you walk through the doors of the church, say, all right, God, I'm giving you all of my life today. Lord, you do what you want. Hey, it would be a wonderful thing if out of the 352 days and however many weeks you go to, the 52 weeks that you go to church, that every single one of those weeks that you give it to God, and if God led you to the altar 52 different weeks, praise God for it. Let's be broken this morning. Bear the burden together and watch God work. Lord, we do thank you this morning. Lord, we love you. Lord, as the words of that song, Lord, bring it all to Him. Ring true. I pray that that's exactly what we would do. Lord, help us. Bring us back to our knees. Bring tears back to Christians' eyes. Break us, mold us, shape us, use us. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed, with heads bowed and eyes closed?